Cultivate Simple, episode 58, Prepare for the Worst. I'd rather be a farmer I'd rather work the land I'd rather see the mountainsides I'd rather see your I'd rather swim the ocean I'd rather not pretend I'd rather do some thinking now Somehow it all depends If I could fly away Welcome to Cultivate Simple an honest and unrehearsed discussion about trying to live a more simple life. This is episode 58, and today we are talking about being prepared for the worst. This is a timely topic for us. Uh, here in Maine this week, we or this weekend, uh, overnight, we had an ice storm heading our way. And we were talking about this. It's kind of funny how people in Maine, you know, they can be predicting 10 feet of snow, and everybody's like, oh, well, yeah. Gonna have to do some shoveling, I guess. But you know, they talk about a half inch or an inch of ice, and people people really get nervous up here. Um, it becomes the the topic of all conversations, and uh, people really start to prepare. Uh, so we decided to discuss a little bit about um, preparations, and it's kind of an interesting topic. I guess I can wait to get into it because I want to share my geeky corner first uh, since since that was kind of a, a big thing yesterday. Um, but it, it's an interesting topic because you can go a lot of different directions with it. And mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the answers to the questions are it depends. So we'll get into that in just a little bit. But first of all, what's for dinner? What's for dinner? We had ginger venison stir fry mm. which i think we've talked about this before we have it every so often because it's a quick easy meal so yeah delicious last, last week was our how to save time in the kitchen show and mm-hmm. uh we got a lot of feedback on that but stir fry is another one of those things uh, that is easy to make yeah. seasonal depending on the the vegetables you have on hand and the meat you have on hand and that kind of thing yeah Basically rice and then chuck everything else in there and put some sort of good sauce on it. Or not. You can go vegetarian, too, if you want to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so delicious tamari, preferably the naturally fermented kind. If you want a delicious place to get that, I would recommend Salt River Miso. I believe that's the name of the place. Let me double check that. I buy their miso... um, and it's fantastic. South River Miso. Um, they're a place located in, uh, it's like Vermont or Massachusetts or New Hampshire. One of those states there. And they make miso in the old-fashioned, traditional way. Long fermented. They send you the tamari. They keep it in glass containers and they send it in plastic. But then they tell you to put it in glass as soon as you get it. That way it only spends a couple days in plastic. Mm-hmm. So. I love a company that hates plastic <laughs> as much and as doesn't you do. want to keep food in it. Yeah. Um, but their miso comes in little glass jars and yeah, it's a fantastic place to get. We talked about, I don't know if we talked about miso and the fermenting 
um, podcast or not, but it's a great way to get extra natural probiotics into your diet. Uh, Semi-daily basis, make miso soup, or even the traditionally fermented tamari is great added to a meal to add some probiotics. Anyways. I just put a note in the in our notes to put a link to that in mm. the show notes. So if you want to go to the show notes and see that, you can go to cultivatesimple.com and uh, click on episode 58 and that will get you to the show notes, which you can uh, leave a comment afterwards. It's uh, The show notes are a blog post and so you can leave comments just like you would on a regular daily blog post and uh, we'll have the, the link to the place to get miso there and tamari and tamari so that brings us on to brian's geeky corner which this week um typically whenever i share a geeky corner it's usually a uh something sort of easy to do or uh uh if if i gave it a difficulty level it would you know one through five it would be a one or two you know you install a simple app or you set up a backup, something easy like that. This week is kind of a four, I would say, as far mm-hmm. as difficulty level. So not for the uh, faint of heart, um, but I would encourage you to do it or find somebody who can do it for you um, because it can be of huge benefit. Um, the laptop that I have is getting, it's just over three years old, I believe. Um and or maybe four years old um it's a um, macbook pro an apple laptop and i had upgraded i started out with uh, 10.6 the operating system 10.6 and had upgraded to 10.7 and 10.8 and 10.9 and um now running the newest operating system when i did upgrade uh, I noticed a considerable slowdown in a lot of the operations. So um, even to the point where, you know, I, I would click on something, I would wait five minutes, it would give the <laughs> little uh, pinwheel beach ball like uh, a Windows for about five seconds. And then it would finally allow me to click into what I was doing or whatever. Um, if I was typing something, it would type out one of the words and then it would pause for a while, beach ball, and then type out the rest. So I knew I was having problems because um, the laptop, I mean, you know, hardware is to the point where if you buy a computer now and you're not doing anything super processor intensive, you're not doing like image editing mm-hmm. or you're not doing uh, video editing, then any computer you buy now is probably going to last you a long time as far as the the power of it is concerned, the CPU. Um and and this is the case with my laptop. I knew that it wasn't to the point where it needed to be replaced yet. So I decided to do um, what's called a reformat and reload, or depending on who you talk to, it can be called different things. That's what I call it, where you format your hard drive, which means that you erase absolutely everything um, and you start over. You reinstall the operating system or the OS, as I will refer to it for short from here on out. Um, and then... Uh, start to reload all of your programs. So I just wanted to run over real quick um, what you do in order to uh, do that. Um, And like I said, do not attempt this if A, (laughs) you do not understand, or B, you're in doubt in any way, because uh, it can basically leave you 
you know, with an unusable computer if you can't get the, 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 the OS installed on it again. And this is for a Mac, PC, Linux, anything. Um, the first thing you need to do is to gather all of the um, software. So you need to get the OS disks, or with the new OS that um, Apple puts out, it's all download. Um, any software disks that you have, if you installed software from disks, um, and what I usually do before I do this is I look through my applications folder and just sort of make a, a checklist of do I have everything? So do I have my Adobe Photoshop disk? Do I have, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Another good thing about Apple and sort of the direction they've gone, you know, good and bad, it has its pluses and minuses, is that a lot of the software that you get now is from the App Store. And so you can just easily re-download it and it installs it automatically. So software disks, the OS disks, and then any uh, any uh, authorization codes or registration codes that you have for your software. This is something that is often overlooked when you're, you know, reformatting mm-hmm. software or installing software on a new computer. Um, some software you're only allowed to install on a certain number of computers, and they actually track that. And so if you reformat and reload it, they actually count it as another computer. So sometimes you have to go into the software registration and uh, unlink the computer. It can be called different things. But that actually frees up one of those registrations then that you can... Uh, you're putting it back onto the same machine, but they, they don't have a way of knowing that, really. The next thing to do once you've gathered up um, all of the necessary disks and uh, software is to make a backup. Hmm. Um, very important. Very important, because you are deleting everything. So this would be the same as if your hard drive crashed and everything went away. Um So make a backup and then make a second backup because if somehow in this process your backup gets corrupted or you don't do it properly or, uh, you know, something goes wrong with your backup, you spill a glass of water on the, your backup drive. There's a fire call happening, but it's not for us. Um, (laughs) If you you make a backup and then make a second one, um, you will have all of your files. And the good thing, depending on what kind of backup you make, um, if you do what's called a clone um, of your hard drive, you're actually making an exact copy of your hard drive in the state that it is in now. And then you could restore that and you would be right back to where you were before you erased it. So if something goes completely haywire and (laughs) you just want to kind of get back to where you were, even though it was buggy, um, you can do that. So again, that's a, uh, it's a good thing to do is having a backup. And we've talked about that before anyway, but um, having it when you're doing this is essential absolutely essential. The next thing to do is perform the reformat. Um, And there are different ways to do this, so I'm not really going to get into how to do this um, necessarily. But when you reformat your drive, basically you're erasing it. You're wiping everything off of it and starting over. Um, So however you do that, whether Windows or on a Mac, um, depending on what kind of computer you have, um, go ahead and do that. And then the next thing to do is to load the operating system back on. Um, and again, there are different ways to do this with the Macs now. Um, 
it's as simple as booting into the recovery disk, they call it, and it'll prompt you to reinstall the operating system. Um, with Windows, to be honest, I have no idea how it works anymore. Uh, it's been several operating systems since I've installed uh, the Windows OS, so I'm, I'm not sure how that works. The next thing to do is to, um, and this is kind of a continual process as you start to reload software, but is to update the OS. Um, once you have it installed, especially if you're installing it from a disk that's fairly old, um, connect to whatever uh, website you need to or however the the update process for your OS works and and update it. Get all of the security releases, get all of the uh, the patches, all of the different things. This will help out a lot for security reasons. So once you start to go on the internet, um, you will be safe, especially if you're, you're on a, um, a windows machine, but even on a Mac. Um, but then as you start to reload the software again, especially if you're doing it from discs, if you're downloading the software from the various websites, then this isn't a problem because that's the updated software. But if you're loading it from discs, then as you're loading it on, um, run, whatever update uh, software they have built in, mm -hmm. and then th that'll update those as well. The final thing is to restore your files. Um, and this is where your backup comes into play. So you can connect your backup drive that you made, one of them, because you did make two, didn't you? Mm -hmm. um, you can connect one of those and then start to restore files. Um, and remember, I mean, you have things on your computer like email, um, so you have to know how to set that up, the settings for all of that. And that's, you know, in the beginning, gathering all the information that you need in the codes and registration codes. I didn't mention email, but um, all of your yeah. email server settings, all those different things, plus all the email, if it's stored locally on your computer, um, you need to be able to restore that and know how to do that. Um, but things like bookmarks, if you keep bookmarks in your um, in your browser, then you need to be able to restore those. Fonts, if you have any special fonts or fonts that you've purchased um, for projects, um, you need to restore those. Um, a, a documents folder, I know that Mac and Windows PCs usually both have those. So um, if there's a documents folder that, uh, you know, has everything. And this is another case where Dropbox comes in handy um, because if you have all of that stored on Dropbox, you just need to reload the Dropbox software and then everything's back the way it was. Um, but restoring files. And then also... Um, you can, depending on your operating system, again, um, on a Mac, the preference files or the application support files are all contained in one folder. So you can actually reload the applications and then reload the the underlying uh, support files and it brings back all of your preferences and everything. So you don't have to reset up all of your programs exactly the way you like it or if you had spe mm -hmm. special shortcuts or those types of things. Um and that's it. And usually what I do is I keep that backup then around for quite a while because, you know, inevitably something will happen and I'll say, oh, I don't have that file. Oh, I need that file. And so I'll go to mm -hmm. my backup. I'll, I'll reload it and, and load those files on. Um, again, if you don't feel comfortable with this, don't do it. Either find somebody else to do it for you, somebody who really knows what they're doing, um, or take it somewhere and have it done. Because... The benefit of it is, um, using my computer today, it's like having a brand new computer. Mm -hmm. um, everything is fast again. Everything is 
you know, snappy. There's no pauses. There's no weird glitches. There's there's nothing odd going on. Um, it really feels like a brand new computer because I've taken out all of those, you know, mm-hmm. upgrades and all that kind of cruft that gets built up over time and kind of working from a clean slate again. So even though it's, you know, three and a half years old, uh, it feels it feels brand new. And that's that's good because it saves you money because you don't need to buy a new computer then. And we're back. I know there wasn't an actual pause in the recording or that you could tell. So if I wouldn't have said anything, you wouldn't have known that we left for almost a half hour. Yes. We uh, we got a call from our nieces and our nephew. Um, Susie gave them... I, did we talk about the 12 mm-hmm. Days of Christmas gift? Yeah. Well, for those of you who have not tuned in and this is your first show, Susie came up with the... Or we came up with the... Actually the neighbor, BJ, um, our friend came up with a list of 50 things, uh, main centric. And so we, we bought 12 of them and gave the 12 days of Christmas, the 12 days of main Christmas mm-hmm. to our nieces and our nephew. So every night they've been, um, chatting with us, video chatting with us and opening yeah. the gifts. Cause they put clues on the outsides of the boxes and they have to try to guess what's inside. So yeah, I think they've been enjoying the gifts so far. And yeah, the- they have. They seem to be having fun with the activity. They really like the moxie. They did. (laughs) (laughs) Which if you've never had one, you need to experience that. Yeah. It's a soft drink that it's kind of a cross between Dr. Pepper, tree bark, and dirt. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway. So we're back. uh, And let's see here. Oh, on to the topic for the evening. Um, It was... So if you haven't seen the weather reports, uh, which I'm sure you have, everybody's heard of the different storms that have been coming through, but this one um, not only caused some tornadoes uh, down south, but uh, flooding all across the east. And then for us, it caused uh, a lot of ice (laughs) and then up to the north, almost a foot of snow. Um, So as we were kind of preparing and I, I said at the top of the show that here in Maine, you know, we could they'll literally predict a foot of snow and nobody even flinches at it. It's just mm-hmm. not a big deal. Um but when it's ice it's a whole different story. Um the the power company, Central Maine Power, even sent out a an email before the storm apologizing mm-hmm. for outages. Um yeah, so that tells you that how generator safety tips. Yeah. Um, that kind of told you how bad it was, uh, they were thinking it was going to be, which I think we, uh, have kind of made it by the, made it by the uh, skin of our teeth here and we're, we're doing all right. Um, let's just hope the wind doesn't pick up cause that could cause some issues. Yeah. yeah. I, I think we have probably a half inch or maybe a little bit better of ice, um, but it came slowly, um, mm-hmm. and the, the rest of the day has been, been pretty, uh, average. So, mm-hmm. um, we've got a lot of, uh, there's a lot of ice in the driveway. Um, yes. we're going to have difficulty making it down our driveway. And then the other problem is that we have, um, in the forecast, there is cold temperatures coming up and this it's week. it's getting cold tonight, isn't it? Yeah. Christmas day, I think the high is 14 and the low is zero. So it's going to be, um, I don't, and know, I don't that, know that there's any sun in the forecast because no. that helps melt off the ice. Right. And the problem is we're coming into January. And, it, and as uh, Matt and I were talking the other night, he said, it seems like as soon as January 1 hits, you know, it just gets cold here in Maine. Yeah. So anyway, um, it's been an interesting day, especially 
with me being on the volunteer fire department because um, the chief, mm-hmm. the fire chief even messaged me on Facebook and said, you're going to be around the rest of the weekend. <laughs> uh, so he was getting all his ducks in a row. I bet you could row. get out. The truck might make it down the driveway, I think but the, even so, there's I think the a HHR lot of ice. Would, um, it's like with a the solid sheet of ice out yeah. there. This morning, I actually took on our truck, um, on our old uh, 67 Jeep pickup, I have chains on the back tires, and I thought, because the ice didn't seem very solid, uh, it was a lot of pellets overnight, and so mm-hmm. I... It's pretty solid now. I tried, yeah, I tried to go down the drive and sort of break up the ice um, with the chains on the tires, and it made it down and back up without problem. And we do have uh, chains for our, one of our cars. Um, the car that doesn't have chains, I wouldn't. I don't think I would even take it down the drive. In fact, I was going to pull it out of the garage today to get the car with the chains out that's sitting in front of it, and I just decided not to because I was afraid I wouldn't be able to get it back in the garage. Um, I, I think if you back it out, it's just gonna keep going slug right down the hill <laughs> uh i think i i don't know but anyway um but it's a mess it is a it yeah. is a real mess out there um and the thing is you know when you know a storm like this is coming and most of the time you do mm-hmm. or if you live in an area that has tornadoes you know that tornadoes are coming or you know when i lived in florida and i was a kid you knew hurricane season Mm-hmm. You know, you you knew that that was a thing and that you needed to be ready for it. And yet most people didn't do the basic necessities of preparing for something like that. Um, and that's the thing is it, you're going to have something go wrong. It's not one of those if things, it's mm-hmm. when. Um, you're going to lose power. You're going to have a storm that, that you know, inconveniences you or... Um, knocks out services or makes it so you can't get out. Like with this storm, if we didn't have chains for our cars, we wouldn't be able to make it down our driveway. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it just wouldn't be a reality. Um, so preparing for these things is something that you should really do. Um, and this isn't, you know, a, a, a pro prepper podcast or anything like no. that. Um, we're not talking about extreme preparation. We're talking about the basics. Um, and... It really depends too how much you prepare and how much you want to um, be ready for these things or how much you think you need to put away for certain events is really kind of a personal thing, but it's also, it depends. There's a lot of, uh, of factors mm-hmm. that go into it. You know, do you live in a populated area? Is it easy for you to get out, you know, into the community to go get supplies if you need them? But then in the same way, you know, if you look at the Superstorm Sandy that happened, um, you know, you're talking about major population centers that ran out, that did not have fuel, that did not have food, that, Mm -hmm. you know, that it was just a bad situation. So if more people would put away basic preparations, Mm -hmm. um, you know, these situations wouldn't be as extreme as they are. So we're going to talk about a few of those things tonight Um, uh, and just sort of go through them and talk about different ways that you can handle it, different levels that you can prepare to, and sort of what we do. Um, So just to cover the basics, um, prepare for basic essential needs, you know, warmth. Yeah, at the very least. Yeah, at the absolute. If you do nothing else, you really need to have these things covered because Mm -hmm. otherwise you're in for, you know, you're either going to have to go find a shelter somewhere, you're going to have to go to someone else's place. um, 
And then you're just making yourself, I mean, to be blunt, you're just making yourself a burden for somebody else because you didn't prepare. Exactly. Somebody else had to prepare for you. Mm-hmm. And that's just that's just bogus. I mean, yeah. you shouldn't do that. So if you're going to do the basics, you need to think about warmth and water. Right. Um, and warmth, especially if you live in a northern climate, because the electric office, I mean, it's not always warm when the electric goes out. It's often a winter ice storm. Mm-hmm. And if you just have a normal forced air furnace that runs with some electric, you're in for big trouble if you have no other source of heat mm-hmm. you know in a uh one of those propane heaters that you are natural gas heaters that you put in the basement depending on whether you use propane or natural gas in your house um or even i mean you can't do an electric but those are great options that you can put in your basement you can get them fairly inexpensively after the end of the season so go to one of your home improvement stores in january and february and usually they're 50% off and you can pick one up and hook it up and then you're ready to go. And one of those will at the very least keep your pipes from freezing and keep mm-hmm. your house above being, you know, ridiculously cold. Depending on the size of your house, you might need to get two. I mean, they come in different sizes. We had one of the smallest ones back in our house in Ohio. And if we turned it on, it would keep our entire house at about, I don't know, 55 degrees, something mm-hmm. like that, which was slightly chilly, but you know, it you kept everything. It wasn't too bad. You and had, your pipes didn't freeze. You put on some warm clothes and, uh, you know, it wasn't that bad. So, And a lot of these things, too, you really have to consider the cost of the thing over the cost of what would happen if something does go wrong. Yeah. So, like, with that, you know, if your pipes freeze and burst, that is going to cause so much more mm-hmm. damage, uh, you know, financially than... It would for you to right. go out and buy a hundred dollar, you know, propane or natural gas heater to put in your basement. Right. The good thing about those heaters too is that they will run off of um, small propane cylinders. Now, I wouldn't recommend doing that, but right. it's possible. Right. Um, Most houses have propane or natural gas coming mm-hmm. into the house. I would think Most. that seems to be the case. Well, I mean, if you don't, then yeah, you could use a smaller pro, but I would suggest getting a bigger propane tank and putting it outside, you mm-hmm. know, one of those uh, big ones and then running a line in the house. The other thing that you need to consider, and we talk about this a little bit later too, but um, is water. Um, having, and it, it, it kind of depends too on what your source of water is. If you have municipal water, um, then you're not going to necessarily lose that um, in an emergency situation, in a natural disaster, in a hurricane-type situation. Um, But in the same way, you might have to boil it. And if you have an electric stove, you're not going to have a way to, you know, and you don't have other means, which we'll talk about later, um, then you're going to need to, you know, figure out a way to boil it. So storing water beforehand, before the boiling is necessary, Mm -hmm. uh, is is definitely a smart thing to do. If you have um, a well, like we do now, um, and then that Mm -hmm. well has a well pump, which runs off of electricity. electricity. So... If uh, if you do have a well and you know that something is, is going to happen, if you know a storm is coming, then it's a good idea to put up some water. Um, we are surrounded by water right now on the table. Yeah. I filled all the mason jars and pans of water and stuff because it's convenient to be able to flush the toilet if you need to and to get a drink of water or to cook something. Um, right. So, yeah. Um, so I might as well talk about water since you put it 
put it early. I had it a little bit later on. Um, but you can gather water in containers. Everybody needs, you know, to drink water, you need water for cooking. Um, having a Berkey water filter, which we've talked about before, will yeah. actually... Uh, is a good thing to do, especially if you have to boil, um, because then you can just run the water through the Berkey and it'll right. clean out basically yeah. anything. You could go out and get pond water and run it through the Berkey and it'll clog the filter eventually, but right. um, it would work. Uh, we actually have an extra... Uh, it's kind of an old hand dug well. Yeah. A neat thing about this house and another reason that we liked it was there's actually two wells. One is the, the normal drilled well. And then another one is a hand dug well down below. And while I wouldn't drink the water out of there, you know, it hasn't been used in many years. So I wouldn't go down there and just, you know, have a, have a drink, but, um, I wouldn't be against going down there and carrying up buckets of water to flush the toilet or even, like I said, to run it through the Berkey and, and to have drinking water. Um, another alternative, especially before, and this one's definitely a before the storm hits um, or before the, the thing happens, whatever it might be. Uh, we'll just use storm as a good example because it's an easy one to refer to and it will. There are different types of storms that affect everyone. Right. Um, they have... Uh, these things I've seen before, and I'm not exactly sure the names of them. I'm sure they have different names, but a tub bladder. Uh, you can fill mm-hmm. up your bathtub with water and then use that for, you know, washing to take, you know, just to, to wash up, um, to wash your hands and those types of things and to flush the toilet because mm-hmm. it's conveniently placed in the bathroom. Um, but they have these things that are like um, a big... It's almost like the the inside of a camelback, if you've mm-hmm. ever seen one of those. It's like a big rubber bladder that you can put in your tub and then fill up. And that gives you, you know, 60, 70 gallons. I think they have different sizes for different size tubs. Um, but that gives you a lot of water mm-hmm. that oh, then that is... keeps the dust and stuff and, out of And it. dirt and everything else. And that's actually then drinkable water. Yeah. Um, so you can use that for cooking and for everything else. Um, another... And another note as far as water goes and flushing our toilets back in ohio we had a sewer pump mm-hmm. we had a crock we were one of the everybody in our development did my parents had one at one point in time if you're one of those people with a sewer pump you cannot flush and add tons of water to that when there is no electric mm-hmm. because it's just going to fill up and overflow and cause some serious issues so if you have one of those i'm sure people know but maybe they don't you know yeah um you have to be i'm mindful of that as well which yeah. was a bit of a when we didn't have water for, or we didn't have electric for, I think, four or five days back in Ohio, that was a big, uh, I mean, we'd try to flush the toilet as few times as possible during the day in order to not fill that up. Um, and we would, you know, kind of take a shower outside with the hose. Mm-hmm. So it was about to add more water than necessary to it. Yeah. And, you know, teaching your teaching your kids or reminding your kids that um, during these times, you know, when they do go to the bathroom, that the old phrase, if it's yellow, let it mellow. And if it's brown, flush it down. Um, Yeah. You know, conserving water and knowing what your situation is, um, as far as do you have a grinder pump or a sewer pump, you know, do you, is that something that you need to be concerned about? Um, But even so, you know, just going in and, uh, you know, urinating and then flushing the toilet when you're trying to conserve water mm-hmm. isn't necessarily smart. So that's right. just another thing to think about. Um, 
Another thing, another often overlooked uh, source of water in an emergency is your hot water tank. If you have a hot water tank that holds 80 or 100 gallons of water and, you know, heats it up, whether that be electric or gas, um, you can use the water straight out of there. A lot of times they'll have uh, an empty valve on them mm-hmm. where you can drain it. Down at the um, bottom. So then it doesn't need, you know, if, if you have a... Uh, a well with a pump, then that water comes out of the hot water tank via pressure. Um, and if you don't have that pressure, you can't drain that tank. So you can go and use that uh, the valve at the bottom of the tank, and you will get some sediment um, in that, but you can filter that out, and it's, you know, it's clean, drinkable water. Um, so the uh, moving on to the next thing is, and what we were kind of concerned about in this storm is power. Um, you know, a lot of times during natural disasters uh, or during storms, even uh, we had a storm in Ohio one year where we were without power for three days or four days. Four days, um, I think. And it was uh, it, at four at three days. It really gets to that sort of completely. It goes from beyond inconvenient to uh, you start to get concerned about things. Um, So having power, some of the things to do to prepare for not having power. One thing is to have batteries. Um, And if you have rechargeable batteries, which we've talked about in the past, Mm -hmm. uh, using Eneloop batteries is the brand that we have um, and having a good charger. Make sure all those rechargeable batteries are topped off. before the emergency hits. And that includes things like your cell phones. Um, We have um, uh, like an iPad that can connect to the internet. So that's a good thing to to have the batteries topped off because then if the power does go out and you're without uh, any kind of internet or any kind of uh, connectivity that way, if you have a smartphone that can connect to the internet, make sure that thing is charged up. And there's also things like that are easy to recharge in the car as Mm -hmm. opposed to other things, which is kind of nice. Yeah. And they also make, um, which I, I have no experience with these and I've heard varying, uh, opinions of them, but they do make, um, small solar panels that you can charge, uh, USB devices like cell phones and and other things with. Um, so that might be something to look into again, that's kind of taken it to the next, Uh uh, level as far as investment and money is concerned, but you can also use that not in an emergency situation, but just in general to save yourself a, a dollar to, um, on your electric bill. The next thing I would say, as far as power is concerned, is to have a good flashlight. And I emphasize the word good um, because having a sort of a generic flashlight or a, you know, one of those $2 Coleman ones that takes D cell batteries, um, those things use up a lot of batteries and they don't produce a lot of light. I, I of course maybe emphasize this a little bit more because I, I love my flashlight. Um, I have a, a a good flashlight from a company called Four Sevens, um, and it's a double A. Uh, it produces three hundred or two hundred lumens, um, super bright, and it has different modes. So you can go uh, really dim with it, and the batteries will last uh, several days, up to the two hundred lumens, where the batteries last only a couple hours. Um, but the good thing about it being double A is that I can swap those out because we have a lot of AA rechargeables. Um, And I carry the flashlight with me all the time. I mean, it always just comes in handy. But in a situation where the power's out, um, 
having a light, especially of course in the dark, um, mm-hmm. is essential. I mean, if you're not going to be, if you don't want to be bumping into things and so on, then you know you need to have a good light. I think an oil lamp is a good mm-hmm. uh, idea as well, like an Aladdin lamp, or you can even get kits to make little olive oil lamps or um, things like that. They're a little safer than candles Mm -hmm. Um, and they can put off a good deal of light so that it can light up pretty much an entire room yeah it uh and that gives you then something that you can do at night which we're going to talk later on about entertainment Mm -hmm. um but yeah providing light for the whole room and not just sort of a personal light but even in these situations make sure um like with the batteries or with your your oil lamps that you go uh as light as possible on them. Mm-hmm. If you think that it's going, if this uh, crisis uh, is going <laughs> to last more than a few days, then maybe it's time to sort of realign your schedule a little bit so that you're getting up when it gets light in the morning and mm-hmm. going to bed when it gets dark. I know that when we had, we were without power yeah. uh, for those days, I mean, you know, it would get dark and it was kind of like, well, I guess we'll go to bed, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um so the the next thing you can do, and I'm going to recommend a website, um, but I'm going to preface it a little bit. There's a a really good website, um, and one of the podcasts that I listen to is the Survival Podcast, um, and they did some episodes, uh, or Jack did some episodes with this guy named Steve Harris. Steve's uh, website is solar1234.com, I know, <laughs> um, and he definitely is... Um, he says a lot without saying a lot and I don't want to make him sound bad because he gives a lot of great information, but he just talks a lot and yeah. you just want to get the information. You just want to like boil it down. A good way to boil it down is to look at his website. He has some really great, um, ideas. He's sort of a long-term prepper, um, but he has some really great ideas for, you know, short-term needs as well. Mm-hmm. And one of the ideas is to use an in- inverter um, connected to your car to power your appliances um, in, in very short-term situations where you only need a little bit of power. Because obviously when you don't have power, um, after 24 hours, you need to start getting concerned about the things that are in your refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have a lot of perishables in your refrigerator, uh you either need to get power to cool those down or you need to start eating those, um, which we'll talk a little bit about in the food section. But he recommends using a uh, kind of a, I, I don't want to say heavy duty, but it's a heavier duty inverter than a cheap one. Um, you can hook this straight into your car battery and then just let your car sit there and idle. And that'll be enough to let your uh, refrigerator cycle every once in a while so that it can cool itself down. Um, then as you're running your car, as Susie said, you could have, um, a charger plugged into the cigarette lighter and that could be charging your phone or, you know, uh, some sort of other device. Um, now one of the sort of prefaces of this is that your car is not really built to sit Mm -hmm. and idle, but in an emergency situation, this would be something to, to get you by. Um, the next step up from that obviously would be to buy a generator. Um, and generators you can get from small, cheap ones, you know, all the way up to 
huge ones that'll run your house yeah. and the neighbor's house and half the neighborhood. Yeah, it's um, like your propane tank drying yeah. a couple of hours. So it really, you need to do your research when you're looking for generators. Um, I would recommend buying a good quality one. Uh, if you're going to get kind of a standalone one, uh, and this is a debate that Susie and I are having right now because we do want to get a generator. Um, we're, our driveway is about a third of a mile long. Uh, it's uphill through trees. And so if, you know, and we're the only one on this, yeah. this drive. So if we lose our power, we will probably be the last on the list to have the, the service crews come out and restore our power. Um, and when you look around our house, you know, with the freezers of meat, with all of our pork that we just slaughtered mm-hmm. and the venison and, you know, vegetables that we have frozen and different things like that, plus our refrigerator upstairs with all the food that's in it, um, that's a lot of money invested in the uh, perishables that are in those things. So having a generator is a good idea for us. Um one of the my debate right now is whether to get a generator that would hook onto the back of our tractor and run off of the PTO or whether to get a standalone generator that has its own engine. Um, the good size, side about the PTO generator is that you don't have another engine sitting around that you have to maintain. Uh, the bad side is that you need to uh, it would need to be hooked into your tractor and your tractor would need to be, you know, running in order to keep it running. Um, but that also makes it portable as well since it's hooked into your generator or into your tractor. Um, on the other side, having one that has, you know, its own power source, um, you can be using your tractor for other things because obviously in Mm -hmm. a situation like this, you might be clearing brush or using the tractor for other things. Um, plus they're, uh, a little bit they're actually about the same price. Um, one thing or one thing to consider when you're looking at a generator is the fuel source because a generator is really only as good as how much fuel you can keep around. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of stories from the Superstorm Sandy where people had generators, but they only had five gallons of gas and they had these huge generators that they bought. So, you know, oh, I can power my whole house, yeah. but it went through five gallons of gas within a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then they were up a creek because, you know, you saw the, the picture of the lines during Superstorm mm-hmm. Sandy, people standing in in lines waiting to to get gas because you know it, the trucks couldn't make it in to resupply the fuel stations. The fuel stations didn't have power, um, so on and so forth. So, uh, one thing to consider is your fuel source. So, if we did get a PTO generator for our tractor, we would have to keep it around enough diesel fuel in order to run that. Uh, over, you know, I I think our sort of time frame is like preparing for sort of a week mm-hmm. without services. So, yeah. you know, a week that you can't get out and get more food or a week that you don't have power, um, a week that you can't get water, those types of things. So keeping around enough, you know, diesel fuel for a week. Um, on the other side, though, if I got a standalone generator, we could get one that ran off of uh, natural gas or uh, propane. propane, and we have a thousand gallon gallon propane tank yeah. um, that we just had filled. So, mm-hmm. um, looking around a little bit, uh, I found a, a Honda generator that would output as much as the PTO generator, and it uses one gallon uh, or one point two five gallons of propane per hour. Um, 
Now, the other thing about a generator is you don't have to have it running 24-7. Right. Um, if you're using it to keep things cold, if you're using it to, you know, keep your deep freezer frozen, your refrigerator cool, um, to charge up batteries, those types of things, it only needs to run for a couple hours uh, at a time, one or two times a day. Uh, so shut it off at night. Um, and that'll save you, you know, power. It'll keep the noise level down. Um, and so that also makes your fuel supply stretch a lot mm-hmm. longer. Uh, but if you're going to have a gas generator with a gas engine, you're going to have to keep a lot of gas around. And then you have to also consider, which I won't get into too much, but you also have to consider then stabilizing all that fuel. Right. And um, swapping it out every so often. And right. That kind of thing. So it just becomes uh, another another maintenance issue yeah. and then having a generator that has its own engine you need to worry about changing the oil on that and spark plugs mm-hmm. and having all those extra parts around too so just a few things to consider when when considering getting a generator um there are ways to hook generators into your house electric uh have a licensed electrician do that because if you do that yeah. yourself you can actually backfeed the grid which would uh could seriously injure could kill uh linemen that are coming and trying to restore your power um so have a, a licensed electrician install the cutoff switch in your house and show you how to use that um but that's something that we're considering is mm-hmm. is powering our house from the generator um because then we could go i mean with our propane tank we could go for a couple months mm-hmm. really without power and we would be, you know, just fine. It would be inconvenient, but we, it wouldn't be, uh, you know, a threat of losing all of our, uh, meat in our freezers and, and so on. The last thing as far as power is concerned is if your power goes out and this is in any situation, if your power goes out, shut everything off in your house. Um, when, we had a, there, there was a, I can't mm. remember when that storm was. Is that mm-hmm. 2003 when the, uh, when like half the Eastern grid yeah. went out? Um, and their biggest problem when they were trying to bring the power back online was that everybody had their air conditioners turned on, their refrigerators turned on, every yeah. light in their house turned on. And as soon as the power came back on, they turned on all that stuff and it basically just overwhelmed the grid, mm-hmm. which would then trip fail safes and the grid would go back down again. So it took them quite a while to get everything back online just because people were stupid. Um, So if (laughs) your power goes out, just go around, unplug everything, turn everything off. Uh, You know, if you want to leave one light on, so you know when the power comes back on fine, but uh, try to make it as easy as possible on the power company Mm -hmm. to, to get those things uh, back online. So the next thing is, uh, is food. Um, and you had some, some good ideas as far as, as food was concerned. So I'll let you share a little bit. Cause I, I kind of talked a lot about the power stuff. So you talk about the food. Um, <laughs> I recommend before a storm, cook up a pot of soup or something, something that you can heat up easily in the big pot. Um, put it on. I mean, you could put it in a crock pot overnight if you wanted to. Um, and then you can heat it up on, wherever whatever your alternative heat source is so if you have you know a, a propane grill uh, an outdoor like a backyard grill that has the propane burner on the side you could use that um to heat up stuff that's a great alternative source for heating like or cooking if you have an electric stove um our stove is gas or propane so i just need a lighter 
to light the burner so that I can use the stove. We also have a wood burner that we can cook on if necessary and to keep the house warm. So I would recommend cooking up a pot of soup because then you don't have to be worrying about cooking. If something does happen, you can use your energies and your time doing something else and then it's easy to simply warm up and it's ready to go. And then if the storm doesn't hit, you already have dinner ready and time saved for the next day. But you know, a big pot of soup is also something that you can eat on for the next couple days as well. And it'll make your life much easier if you don't have to worry about um, cooking and food and food preparation while there isn't power, that kind of thing, you know, and it's not a big deal to eat the same thing for three or four days um, when the power's out. So it just makes life a lot easier should the storm actually knock out your power and create some issues. Um, and having a well-stocked pantry, we kind of talked about that last week. Um, having some things on hand that you can use to create meals is a good thing. You know, whatever you like to eat. We always have a bunch of, we've always got tons of potatoes in the root cellar. And, you know, I mean, I suppose if at the very least you could be eating some strange combinations of things from your refrigerator in case they're going to be going bad. Um, loads of pickles and sauerkraut and that kind of thing. But, you know, keep a week's worth of food at least on hand so that you can have food to feed everybody. Because, mm -hmm. you know, being without power and stuff for a while is a lot more bearable if you're not starving. And I think that that's a... And you have decent food. That's another personal thing. It's like, how long do you want to prepare for? Yeah. And I think you need to just consider that with, you know, like where we live. I mean, we live out in kind yeah. of the sticks. We, you know, yeah. we're, we're sort of in the boonies. So if something did happen and Maine was uh, cut off from, you know, food trucks coming in, not that we eat a lot of prepared stuff or stuff from the store, but uh, if that were the case, how long would we need to be able right. to get by? Um and and again, even, you know, the people during Superstorm Sandy, right. they would live right down the street from supermarkets, and yet they went with well, a week without food. Well, the statistics are that, what, there's like four or five days of food yeah, three, in I think. the grocery yeah. store, um, and they get resupplied so frequently that that's it. So, I mean, that's something you need to think about as well. You can't rely on somebody else or the grocery store to be your backup plan in these kinds of situations. You just need to be responsible. And it's really not a big deal to have a week's or two weeks worth of food on hand. It doesn't take up that much space. It can be very simple stuff. If you have a garden, then you're pretty much ready to go right there. Um, because you've got, if it's the summer, if it's the winter, if you can a little bit, or you know, you can keep pasta on hand and pasta sauce and that kind of stuff. Quick and easy meals that are filling and healthy and easy to make and keep everybody happy and well fed and i was going to say too you mentioned a uh, stove and a way to cook mm -hmm. make sure that you check your stove because some of the, i think some of the newer stoves even gas stoves have fail safes in them that uh if there's not electric they shut down the valves yeah um so make sure that you can manually light your stove if uh if the power does go out um or as susie said uh, if you have a grill with the side burner on it, I mean, you can grill a lot of stuff. You'd be yeah. amazed how much stuff you can grill. Um, but if you have a side burner on it, that's, you know, just a regular cooking burner, that's good too. But make sure that you have uh, your propane tank full mm -hmm. or even a second propane tank. Um, because again, if, uh, you know, if everybody has this plan and something goes wrong and your propane runs out in two days, well, right. everybody already went to the store and cleaned out all the propane tanks. Um 
And then finally, I mean, even cooking over a fire, right. it's definitely the less, the least uh, convenient and the least controllable, right. but it's, right. you know, it's an alternative. And something you definitely should learn a little bit about fire safety and how to build the fire and how to yeah. keep it safe. You don't want your first foray into campfires to be trying to cook over one mm-hmm. um, when you need to, because you're going to end up probably not very happy. And, and, if, and if you live in an apartment building, don't don't start a fire right. in your balcony to cook. Right. I mean, at the very least, you can have a little backpacking stove or something, just one for emergencies mm-hmm. that you can use out. Or a Coleman out, stove. Mm-hmm. Outside somewhere. Definitely use those things outside. Don't be running those inside right. your house. Um, but yeah, definitely prepare because having a decent hot meal will do amazing things when it's... The going gets when tough. You're, yeah, your spirits are low. <laughs> um, yeah, and you mentioned this, but also uh, start to think about, especially in extended circumstances, when when you're without power for 24 hours, things in your... Uh, first of all, your refrigerator, don't open it unless you absolutely need to. Yeah. And when you open it, know what you're going to get out of there. Go in there, get it, get it out, so that you're conserving as much cool, uh, cold as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but after 24 hours, you need to start thinking about, okay, if this goes on, we need to cook stuff in there. Yeah. What can I do to make, and what goes bad first, and what, yeah. you know, cheeses and those types of things will keep for longer than mm-hmm. uh, than other things. And so... Yeah. You know, what do we need to eat right away? And start just cooking those things up and eating them. Uh, Make those your next meals. Um, And then as far as your freezer is concerned, something to do before a storm, which is something that we do, is to, if you get gallon milk jugs or if you get um, jugs... Even those half-gallon square milk cartons or orange juice cartons. um, Take those and and fill them with water and stick them in your deep freezer. Not all the way full. You fill them, you know, leave a good amount of headspace. Mm-hmm. Um, because what that does, that does two things, actually. One is it gives you another source of water, mm-hmm. um, because when they thawed, you have water. Uh, and two, it actually increases the, the thermal mass in your freezer, um, so that there's, it takes longer for your freezer to thaw out because there's more cold stuff within that small space. Right. And ice um, is the best. I mean, it makes, it essentially makes your freezer a huge cooler mm-hmm. so that it's going to keep your fr- freezer, all the stuff in your freezer cooler longer than say, because, uh, you know, some meat's going to thaw out faster than a big gallon jug full of ice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it also makes your freezer run more efficient, efficiently mm-hmm. if it's full that, you know, of course, and my mom always did this. She always used those big square, like Tupperware kind of containers um, back when I was a kid. And then she always had ice and that's what she would use when we would travel. She'd just pull a couple of those out of the freezer, you know, and they would come out of the freezer when the freezer was too full of other stuff. And then as she would empty out vegetables or fruit, she would fill up containers and put them back in there, you know, and then fill up the freezer with just frozen water to make it more efficient. And then, and then if you have those two, I mean, those can be used as a to put in your refrigerator if you need to to cool to help cool stuff down. You know, nowadays or like right now, it's cold outside; it's below freezing. So all we would have to do is carry all of our refrigerator stuff out and put it on our back porch. You know, and then it's fridge temperature or lower out there. So it's not as big of a deal in the winter, but in the summer, it is kind of a big deal. So definitely something you need to think about. 
So that then brings us on to uh, just sort of general supplies or other things to think about. Um, the first thing is to have some cash on hand. Uh, if yeah. the electric goes out, credit card machines go out. And yeah. credit card machines go out. It's going to be difficult to buy stuff if that's all you ever use. Yeah. So keep some cash on hand. Um you know, you can make the decision how much you want to keep on hand. Right. And the easiest um, way to accumulate that is every time you get cash out of the bank, just put 20 bucks or 30 bucks in the envelope, you know, wherever your stash is. I would suggest hiding it well. Yep. Um, I loved it. We watched a movie recently and he had his hidden in his freezer um, in butcher paper labeled veal, yeah. which is really funny, a great way to do it. But, you know, hide it fairly well. You might, you might want to, I don't know, veal, you'd think a robber if he was, you know. Veal. I, I to, say title it liver. Yeah, or, pig yeah. liver or something. Yeah. Or pig tongue. Something <laughs> gross. Um, <laughs> but having cash is a, is a great idea. Um, because yeah, because we ran into that when our electric was out back in Ohio. You went into the gas station to get some gas yeah. and they were only taking cash because they didn't have their credit card. Uh, machines were up and running and our bank was in the same town and so the bank so the, was closed because so yeah. there was no electric right um so yeah it was kind of a mm -hmm. sticky situation there um just makes you think about it yeah yeah uh the next thing is first aid supplies um in situations like this especially you know if it's a hurricane or a tornado or something like that um you're probably going to be out doing things that you don't normally do, clearing brush, uh, mm -hmm. you know, moving debris. If if there's if it's kind of a major storm and you know it's it's blown houses apart and so on. I mean, you're going to have nails sticking out and yeah. different things, you know. So you need some first aid supplies because you're going to have an accident. You're going to get scratches. You're going to get cuts. Mm -hmm. um, plus, you're you know walking around in the dark if the electric's out. So just having those on hand is a good idea. It's a good idea anyway, right. and, and refreshing them every once in a while, um, because you know your first aid kit can sit there for ten years and you forget about it, and then you open it up and everything's turned to dust. I just um, looked through ours and threw out a bunch of stuff and ordered a couple packs of band aids to refresh our band aids. And um, there's also a great book called Where There Is No Doctor, which my parents used a lot when they first went down to the jungle and there was no doctor. Um, that came in very handy for them, and it's a very inexpensive, but it's a good um, book to keep on hand in your library just in case, you know. You don't need to study it, but it's a good resource should you ever need it, and it's kind of cheap insurance. Mm -hmm. And my parents can't say. I mean, they, they used it a lot uh, back in the day. The next thing is um, just in general, anything that you need as far as uh sanitary supplies like toilet paper like uh women's supplies those types of things um diapers diapers if anything that you use uh on a semi regular basis mm -hmm. that if you know you couldn't make it to the store for whatever reason or the store's closed um what are those things that you're going to need and just having a, a stock of those ready um and again, which and we always do anyways, just because it makes it easier. I hate, there's nothing worse than running out of something and having yeah. to go to the store. That's like my ultimate pet peeve, kind of. Yeah. I never like to have to do anything. So we always are stocked up on toilet paper. And I mean, it, we have it set up on Amazon. It automatically gets delivered every six months or something like that. It's like when but, we went down to visit your friend that one time and oh, yeah, she and didn't she, have toilet paper. 
Yeah. <laughs> we're like, what? So I went out and bought her like a 24th pack of toilet paper. I was like, find. here, here's and a present enough, for that you. happens. That's happened multiple times when I've gone to her house. <laughs> We've had to stop on the way somewhere to get toilet paper for her house. So there, there are other supplies too. Um, but again, a lot of these are sort of personal uh, convenience items or things that you're going to need personally because of different situations. Medicines, um, having having a supply. If you need some sort of medication for diabetes or, or yeah. you know something like that, then having a a bit of extra of that. Um, that if you couldn't make it to the pharmacy, you know, asthma medications, those types of things. Um, and if you do have any of those. Uh, kind of long-term health issues, I would definitely suggest um, reading up on natural remedies, herbal things, just in case. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's definitely something that, worst case scenario, right. you, that's not the time when you want to be thinking about that. Uh, definitely get some references, um, some books maybe to keep on hand just in case, maybe um, some herbs that you can use for that. That's definitely something you want to think about because that's not something, you know, that's cheap insurance, really cheap insurance mm-hmm. should something happen. I mean, that, you, that's not something you want to be staring in the face and I'd rather spend 50 bucks and have some herbs on hand that I throw out and replace every five years than have to think about and get in trouble not having the supplies that you need exactly um and then the good thing about all the things that we've mentioned above is that uh if you do have extras of these items and you run out of something you can use these items for trading or for bartering Mm -hmm. for the things that you do need you know if you have a lot of fuel and somebody needs fuel for their generator i mean Mm-hmm. They'll probably trade you anything for it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that you should be gouging people because I think that there's a certain amount of charity that should happen in these right. situations. It's like building um, community. We yeah. talked about that yep. in an episode um, a while ago. And that's a beautiful thing about having community and building a community beforehand because the community makes you more resilient in times like these. Because yep. I have freezers full of food. And, you know, if something happened and the grocery stores didn't have food, I'd be giving that food away to people in my community because, yep. you know, you don't want the people in your community to stop and you don't want to risk it going bad so that's the beautiful thing about that Mm -hmm. is when you build community it makes you a lot more resilient in these kinds of situations and maybe you need toilet paper and you can trade a ham for some toilet paper (laughs) exactly and we i mean this happened when we were back in ohio and we didn't have power for four or five days Mm -hmm. Um, we had some friends that lived in town and we borrowed a generator off my brother-in-law and so we would run at our house for a couple hours and then drive it into town and set it up at their house to keep their refrigerator and freezer going. And then we drive back out to our house, you know, and set it up at our house and do the same thing. And we did that for a couple of days in order to keep their stuff safe and then our stuff safe as well. Um, and then we got to hang out and talk and commiserate. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, The next one I want to mention, but I, I don't want this to... I think a lot of times when you read uh, sort of prepper blogs or those types of things, um, they overemphasize this one. So I don't want to overemphasize this and I don't want this to be like a oh brother kind of moment either. Yeah. But I definitely think that security is something to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, I read multiple stories from Superstorm Sandy about... Uh, you know, the first couple nights about looting taking place mm-hmm. and about, um, you know, 
groups of guys going door to door. And I really think that this does depend largely on where you live. Mm-hmm. Um, but And that's something, you know, you need to prepare for what kind of issues you might have via weather, you know, situations, whether that be hurricanes, tornadoes, ice storms, whatever. But you also need to prepare depending on the security situations you'll have in the area you live. Mm-hmm. I mean, out here in the middle of nowhere, we don't really have to worry too much about um, those kinds of things. Right. Not as much as if you lived in a big urban area where right. that's a little more likely. Or even nice neighborhoods because, yeah. you know, thieves target nice neighborhoods. Yeah. And so if they know that uh, a nice neighborhood, a lot of the people have been evacuated or yeah. that a lot of the people, you know, have gone inland, like this is what happened during Sandy, um, then, you know, they'll come and loot those places because they know that there's not a lot of people there. But if you are there, you need a way to defend yourself. Um, so having a firearm of some sort, having some training with that firearm, and being will- willing to use it if needs be. Um, you know, this is one reason I keep a pump shotgun, because I know that just the sound of uh, me racking a shell into the chamber is going to be enough to scare away 85% of the people that are out there, and the other 15% are stupid. Um, but that's the problem, is that people are stupid, and stupid people do stupid stuff during times like this. Um you know, they just see it as a, it's, it's just like, you know, everybody talks about the, the images during Katrina when, you know, the place is completely flooded. There's no power and people are carrying away large screen TVs from the store. Yeah. It's like, really? That's your first priority? Um, but there are just, you know, some people just do not think. And some people see situations like this as opportunities to forget all the rules, you know, the, the thin veil of, uh, of society and, uh, just go nuts and steal and, you know, kill and everything. Uh, I mean, you hear the horror stories that come out of situations like this. Um, you know, after two or three days of people not being able to get what they normally get, people lose their minds. Some people do. And that is yet another good reason to develop community and to know your neighbors and that kind of thing, because um, then you can hang out together and not only have a good community to make situations a little better, but then you also have a community for security purposes because you're a lot safer as a group than you are as a person or as just a family. So that also is a way to build in security. And maybe you don't feel comfortable having a gun, but maybe your neighbor is a hunter and does, you know, and maybe you can discuss that. Well, in in this kind of situation, I'll buy a generator and you can be in charge of um, maybe the firearms because I'm not comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's another place to work on building that community and because mm-hmm. uh, you don't need to do it all yourself you're better off if you can um delegate and maybe have a um maybe if you live in a small neighborhood develop a group of people that are interested in being prepared and s- sit down and discuss and have each person be in charge of keeping something because then you don't have to do it all mm-hmm. so so on to something lighter then uh also think about things. What would make a a week without power um, better? What what would be a good way to? <laughs> that doesn't yes. sound good in the beginning, but um, 
have things around that you can, especially if you have kids, um, that can be entertaining, that you can pass the time with. Because when all, you know, when TV gets shut off, when the internet, when computers are gone, you know, all those different things, uh, those are all the things that we do entertain ourselves and sort of pass Mm -hmm. the time with. So what could you do in order to pass the time? Um, Things like, you know, knitting, crocheting, you know, Mm -hmm. that that you're really interested in now. Reading, of course, if you have books around, uh, puzzles and games, and if you're if you are if you do have a generator or um, or if you're even using the the inverter off of your car, I mean that's enough power. Laptops are very low power consumption. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could pop it on most laptops. Most of the newer <laughs> laptops don't have DVD players anymore, but. Uh, on uh, laptops or even on, you know, iPads, you can Mm -hmm. save movies on there and, you know, watch a movie, have the kids sit down and watch a movie. And, um, and that's, you know, something to entertain them Mm -hmm. to give them a sense of normalcy. And also, like I said, to, to pass the time. Um, you can do board games. mm -hmm. We did a lot of card playing because I grew up born when I grew up in South America. Um, we had rationed electricity. Mm-hmm. So we had electric um, during the day, but we didn't have electric at night when you would actually need it. Um, so it would go off at, I don't know, four or five o'clock, and then it would stay off until after we went to bed. And so we did a lot of playing of cards via uh, an oil lamp, or we had like a battery operated, uh, like a floor lamp kind of thing. And it would give us enough light that we could play games and play cards or read or do whatever. So, I mean, it was kind of like the olden days, I guess, where we didn't have TV and stuff, but we had a lot of great family time in those evenings. And we'd play outside a lot with the other kids. And, you know, the adults would just sit out out and chat while the kids played in the street. So one recommendation that we would make in all of this um, is to practice. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, if you... Most families have like a fire plan or a fire drill that if, you know, you have a fire in the house, this is what you do. Um, And if you don't, you should. And if you don't, you should. Um, But you also need to practice this too. And not necessarily that you need to do it every, you know, Mm -mm. month or something like that. But having an electric free day, Mm -hmm. um, just shut everything off in your house one day and see what it's like. It'll make you realize the things that you take for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll make you realize the things that you need to do to be prepared for a situation like this. Um, it's amazing when it's so funny how automatic things are that we we think about like electricity um i know that when the power's out i'm still going around and flipping every light switch on Mm -hmm. you know in rooms that i walk into at night um just because it's so automatic that that Mm -hmm. is going to be there and when it's not it really messes you up Mm -hmm. um in preparation for this podcast tonight i was walking around as i was thinking about all the things um and just today, as you know, we were kind of anticipating that we were going to lose power yeah. with this ice storm. I was thinking, man, we, you know, we couldn't make, we couldn't grind our coffee, but we do have a hand grinder for our coffee. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing I wanted to mention. If you're a coffee drinker, you need to procure a way to make coffee without Yeah, that's probably the most power. important thing. We should have um, mentioned at the top of the, the episode. So get a Chemex <laughs> or a French press or something like that where all you need to do is boil water and then you have a means to... Um, and maybe pre-grind some coffee if you have an electric grinder and don't have um, 
a non-electric one mm-hmm. in preparation for the storm. Um, but having an electric-free day is a great way to practice. Mm-hmm. Just shut everything off. Even go to your circuit panel and you know, shut down rooms, yeah. uh, leave your refrigerator on. There's no, no point in going no crazy. Point in, yeah. Going nuts and, you know, ruining but pretend food, it's off but pretend it's off and say, it, you know, yeah. every time we open this refrigerator, you need to know what you're getting and you need to get it and you need to get out. Yeah. You know, there's no browsing. There's no standing there for five yeah. minutes looking for something. And if you don't absolutely need it, don't go in and get it. Um, but yeah, shut because a lot of times control pan or, uh, uh, circuit breaker uh, panels are set up, you know, zoned mm-hmm. sort of. They have rooms on, uh, per uh, breaker. So, you, <laughs> excuse me, you could shut off the breakers to, you know, your living room, your bedrooms, the mm-hmm. bathroom, all those different things, and then try to survive without that. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, it'll just make you see and it'll make you realize how reliant you are upon electricity, um, but also just what you need to do in order to prepare or the things Mm -hmm. that you would need to prepare if you didn't have electricity. Um, And the the other thing, uh, as far as research, because obviously we didn't cover everything. And and a lot of these things that we talked about are kind of the things that we do. Um, And like I said, you have to decide personally what your, um, I guess what your level of comfort is or, you know, how yeah. far you want to go with this, because it is, it's definitely possible to go to the extreme. I mean, that's what there, there are t- whole TV oh, shows yeah. centered around people that go to the extreme. Right. Um, well, and we can talk about, we had some friends back in Ohio and these are the friends that lived in town and we took our generator to, and that time we didn't have electric. They did not like being without power because they didn't like not being able to watch TV. Right. And that, practically drove them insane now we were p- pleased as pie because both of us work from home so we didn't have to well i don't think either of them had to go to work because they didn't have power at their works either right. um but we were pleased as pie we were out burning fire we were starting fires and i fire roasted all of my peppers and um i remember once we canned pears because we had happened to have like two bushels of pears and we had to get them canned so we canned pears by candlelight um, and those kinds of things, but we're more, we, we've gone backpacking in the past. We're, we're not as necessarily, I mean, we we're dependent on power, but it's not one of those things that we mind being without either. Right. It's more a frustration as far as the refrigeration, the refrigerator, the freezer, that kind of stuff. Being without power in other regards isn't really a big deal, but they did not like it one bit. And mm-hmm. so they went out and bought a generator simply so that they could have their TV on. Um, and have TV to watch to distract them from the fact that they didn't have power because they yeah. didn't like living without power. So, it, you know, it just depends on what you're like. If that's the way you are, then probably getting a generator would be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can do a ton of research on this, uh, but my I, I wanted to make that point of it's... It's your level. You really have to choose what do I want to prepare mm-hmm. for. Um, like I said, our kind of uh, idea is sort of that seven-day, mm-hmm. uh, you know, without electricity, um, which for us, because we have a well, means without water, um, without uh, refrigeration. Um, that's kind of our our threshold or the thing that we think about. Um, but, you know, there is long-term 
uh, prepping, obviously. Like I said, there's whole TV shows around uh, people that do that, and there are podcasts around that, um, some of which I listen to just because I find them entertaining. And there is good information that comes from it, and that's the website I mentioned, uh, thesolar1234.com, which I'll put a link to the show notes, because he has a lot of items in there and a lot of good recommendations, uh, especially relating to power. Um, uh that, that you can do easy, simple things uh, and good items that you can purchase in order to prepare for something like this. So uh, hopefully that helps. Hopefully that maybe brought up something that you hadn't thought about in the past and uh, it'll make the next time you're, you're without power or something happens um, a little bit easier on you. And that's the thing. I mean, nobody wants something bad to happen, but being prepared for it is the smart thing to do because something right. it's almost inevitable that at some point in your life something bad is going to happen right um you know whether that be a a big natural disaster i mean i'm sure the people in you know out on the coast of new jersey didn't expect that they would be completely without power right. one day for you know five well, that's days we were we rarely get big weather events in ohio i mean we get an ice storm here and there but that time we didn't have power for four or five days was because a hurricane came up through and then you know through the gulf and then it just it was bad enough when it came up our way that it just Knocked took down out. a ton of trees so yeah and the nice thing too is that cultivating the simple life helps you be a little more resilient anyways um, because your life's a little you know not easier mm-hmm. but a little simpler mm-hmm. well and being mindful being yeah. mindful of you know, the fact that something is going to happen and that you need to prepare for it and how to prepare for it. Because like the grinder pump, you know, a lot of people wouldn't even think about that, that, oh, that's not pumping the sewage out to the street. I probably shouldn't use my toilet as much or I shouldn't take a shower every day or I shouldn't, you know, wash the dishes. Or if I do wash the dishes, put dishwasher water in a tub and dump it Mm -hmm. out back. Um, those types of things, just being mindful about all these different things. So, well, hopefully that, like I said, hopefully that helps you. Hopefully that makes you think about something and helps you to prepare when, when the next thing is going to happen, uh, in, in your life. I know for us, our, our next big thing is, is probably going to be a generator. Um, because then after that, you know, we pretty much have all the other things in line that we would need, uh, as far as sort of our seven day threshold. Um, And as far as books of the week this week, we're going to put the link to that uh, book that Susie mentioned, um, Where There Is No Doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll put that into to the show notes. And this is uh, this is our, you're, you're probably listening to this as you're preparing Christmas dinner or uh, oh, yeah. whatever holiday you might be celebrating. Um, so, you know, we, we've recommended that you make a donation uh, or have mm. your loved one make a donation as your Christmas gift. This is your last opportunity to do that. Um, thanks again as we go into the, the new year. Uh, we just want to thank uh, all of our supporters all the people that support us with monthly donations that helps out a lot um and is super encouraging for us we do have uh, a plan in the works to keep our amazon affiliates going so um you can keep clicking on the links in the sidebar at cultivatesimple.com or at chiotsrun.com um and uh shopping whenever you shop on amazon doesn't cost you anything um just click on those links and we get a few dollars and that helps out too so um so that's it for this week. If you if 
prepare for those storms. Be ready, because you never know when you're going to have a an inch of ice on the ground. I'd rather be a farmer I'd rather work the land I'd rather see the mountain sides I'd rather see your hand I'd rather swim the ocean I'd rather not pretend I'd rather do some thinking now But somehow it all depends If I could fly away from me To ride this wind above the see my hometown I'd rather hold my wife I'd rather never question things That's the story of my life I'd rather not be crying I'd rather just be whole I'd rather brave the cleansing fire I'd rather feed my soul If I could fly away from me I'm crying out to you I'm ready to be finished here I'm ready for this season to If I could fly away from me To ride this wind above the trees 
знаю.